Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Luke chapter 10, if you will. Luke chapter 10. I know here in this room we have two sides represented. And one side may be upset with outcomes from this weekend. One side may be rejoicing from the outcome of this weekend. But I just want to encourage you to keep your eye on the bigger picture. And whether you're a Gator fan or a Bulldog fan. Jesus is on the throne. And Alabama is the real enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Everyone say distracted. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care? Anybody ever been in a position where you've asked Jesus, do you care? You've ever asked God, you've ever challenged God, do you even see what is happening? Do you even care about the situation I'm in? Are you even concerned in the least? about my life and about what I'm going through. It seems like you're distracted. It seems like you're not focused on me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, I know that you can pick me out in the midst of the multitudes that you've created, that you have your focus and attention on me, but it feels like in this moment, I'm crying out to you. I'm not getting a response. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. Man, we just got to say your name twice. Right? That's kind of like the, the middle name. When you get your middle name called. Yeah. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is important. One thing is needed. One thing is priority. One thing is necessary. And Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. You know, I feel like in our world, if if I had to sum up, just the condition of our lives and the condition of our world and the conditions 
uh, of the state of society, I believe the one word that comes to mind for me is distracted. Distracted. Um, We live in a more distracted age than ever because when you have more options um, and and more uh, things vying for your attention, um, it's easy, it, it's difficult, rather, it's difficult to discern and to determine and to distinguish where I should be placing my focus and what I do not need to be putting my focus on. You know, notice in this passage, we have two individuals. We have two women, two sisters. We live in the same house, but yet we have two different approaches to Jesus. They're in the same house. I would put it this way, uh, you might have both of these positions in your heart. Two different positions or, or two different responses to the Lord. And yet one is commended for being focused and attentive to the Lord. And the other is rebuked even for being distracted by her tasks. Now, what are those tasks? What is she being distracted with? Well, she's preparing for the Lord and his 12 buddies that randomly just show up at the house. I'll be honest with you, out of these two women, the one that I like the better is Martha. As a pastor and as a leader, and maybe you own a business or maybe you have people that work for you, you have employees that work for you, You don't want to marry. You don't want the, oh, sorry, I was was running late today. I was, I just got caught up in prayer. Uh, You know, I was just worshiping, worshiping the Lord in my car and just got carried away. I just, I couldn't turn the song off. And, you know, I was just, I was just sitting in the, I was just basking in the presence of Jesus. No, you want a worker. Uh, Yeah, I understand you're spending time with Jesus, but you're on the clock. Uh, We got stuff to do. You know, for me as a pastor, Martha is in a children's classroom right now. And Mary says, I I don't know if I could could miss service. I I don't know if I, 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 you know, I really want to be in the sanctuary because that's that's where the presence is. That's where the glory comes. Well, then you just don't know how much glory can show up in those classrooms. You don't know how much service you can have by being of service. Amen. Amen. You don't know what could be happening as a result of you doing something versus just sitting. And so Mary uh, is not really the attractive one to me. That's not really the one uh, that that I am drawn to. I want the one that, man, hey, we got Jesus here. We got his his disciples here. We got his followers. We want to to prepare. We want to make things excellent. We want things to look good. We want to prepare a meal. We want to fix things up. We want to get the house ready. The Lord is here. That's my position. That's just some vulnerability and some openness on my side. That that if if I know someone great is coming, then then, uh, I want things. Yeah, I, I want to be in His presence, and sure, I, I, I want to to sit and and draw and 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 let things flow and and let the Word of God minister. But but I want to put my hand to something, man. I want to. I want to. How can I prepare a home and prepare a house so someone else can sit and draw and receive? Amen. And so you know, I, I'm not so much 
against the Marthas. Um, I, I'm not so much against, you know, Mary is the one that prays for a blessing and Martha is the one that goes and gets the blessing. I'm going to put my hand to the plow. I'm, I'm going to do something so I can see God show up in my life. And that's what we need. That's the tenacity you have to have. That, that, that's, that's, and, and look, our distractions, well, let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it confused. Distractions doesn't mean having to choose between right and wrong. Distraction doesn't mean having to choose between good and evil. Distraction doesn't mean I'm having to choose from what I don't need and what I actually need. It's not right and wrong. It's choosing what I need right now. Right now. Right now. See, a lot of our anxiety and a lot of the distractions and a lot of the, the things that we accumulate in our mind, sure, there's things that we've got to cast off. The Bible tells us to cast off every sin and every weight that easily besets us, that, that's slowing us down. But guys, there are things that, that we, we have accumulated in our life that are be of benefit, that are necessary, that are needed. She's preparing for the Lord. She's not distracted and sidetracked with, with sin in her life or, or laziness um, or, or, or just sitting around doing nothing. She is distracted with preparing for Jesus. Myself as a pastor, I run this risk in my life, and, and I run this risk in ministry, and I, and I encourage our leadership in the same regard, is that spiritual service can never replace spiritual growth. Spiritual service can never replace spiritual growth. Doing things for God doesn't replace growing in God and strengthening my relationship with God. But, you know, we accumulate more and more, going to church, reading our Bible, praying, doing this, doing that, going here, going there, going to this conference, chasing this person, listening to this. And, 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 and we end up accumulating a lot of stuff in our lives that seems spiritual and seems good, but is it necessary? That's what Jesus told Martha. Mary has chosen what is necessary. You're distracted. You're distracted. Your, your attention has been pulled apart. Your attention has been separated. Now, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this. She sounds like she's complaining, right? Like we, If we take Martha's response, her passive-aggressive response, why don't you tell Mary? That's your sister. You tell her. Why are you telling Jesus to tell someone else something for you? You go to her, right? But the, the passive-aggressive, frustrated, uh, on-edge Martha don't you even care, Lord? Why don't you tell her to get up and give me a hand? Help me out around here. Thirteen random guys just showed up in my house. Come on, all the women are like freaking out right now. One, one, one of the things that I love about my wife, that, that is also one of the things I don't love about my wife, she loves to host and she loves to entertain. And I never thought, never thought that when I signed up to coach a baseball team, 
that there was an end of the year party that we had to plan out to the nines like it's the Emmys or the ESPN Sports Awards. I mean, I seriously joked with their one. I was like, do I need to wear a tux to this? Just tell me now. Do I need to go rent a tux? Camden plays on other kids' teams, and they're going to the mill, the pizza place here in town, the pizza buffet. You have to get your own pizza. My wife, she's not in here. She's in a classroom. So she can get this later. My wife, who's faithfully serving as a Martha in a classroom somewhere, I mean, where we, she's got the props, she's got the decorations, she's got the goodie bags that they go home with. I mean, she's got, we grilled food. I said, you realize there's restaurants that they make it for you. And you sit down and they serve you. We're grilling. I'm out there with one of the other coaches grilling hot dogs and hamburgers in the heat. I did all the work. They didn't even play that good. They got second place. I'll grill for you when you get championship. You get first place. You're reinforcing horrible behavior. We got third place the next year because we grilled them when they were in second place. They thought, man, this is what we get. Why try harder, right? My wife loves to host. And when we host at the house, which isn't very often, but when we do things, you know, in our own home or, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if it's our own home. I know the look. The Martha look, I call it. You going to do something? You going to help? I need you. I could just I could just picture Martha in the kitchen just making all kinds of noise with the pots and pans on purpose. Like I'm in here making food for Jesus. And his crazy followers who just walked in off the street, just traveling through, right? Clanging stuff, dropping stuff, spilling stuff, right? Just to get attention, just to let everybody know. I'm in here working hard in case you're wondering where Martha's at. Here I am preparing for Jesus. Well, it actually says in verse 38, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She brought this on herself. And that's what I tell my wife. I tell her. You realize we didn't have to do this. You realize no one asked you. No one expected you to throw this crazy party for these 13 kids that don't even know how to play baseball that well. They're not that good. They're not going to the pros. They're mediocre at best. And you're treating them like they just won the World Series. You buy them trophies. I did not get a trophy. Unless we got first place. These kids getting medals and trophies and ribbons and MVP awards. It's crazy. These kids, it's, it's crazy. 
But I tell my wife, you brought this on yourself. You did this. Remember, I'll remind her the day that she says she wants to plant it. You remember today. When it's going crazy and we're running around doing all this, setting up tables and chairs and then all this crazy stuff. You remember. You brought this on yourself. Nobody asked you. No, nobody made you the committee of the baseball team baseball party. Nobody did that. I'm not even expecting that of you. I know you could do a great job. I'm, we could go to the mill. I'm just telling you, we could go to the mill. I pay for it. I pay for all of that. I don't care. She welcomed it. You know, a lot of the things that are a distraction today were an invitation yesterday. A lot of the things in our lives that are taking our attention and distracting us, we invited it. We welcomed it in. We opened the door and said, come on in. I'd love to host. I'd love to have you. I'd love to, I'd love to have you occupy some of my time. I'd love to, to drop everything for you. I'd love to serve you. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. And this is the thing, is what do we do when blessing becomes a distraction? How do we handle blessing when it becomes a, a, a distraction, a negative in our life? How do we handle it? Because this started out as an invitation. This started out as, oh, Jesus, you should hear Jesus, the Son of God's here. Jesus is here. He's in town. Well, man, why, why don't we have him over? Why, why don't we, we'd love to have him over. Bring, bring, bring the whole crew. Bring them all. Bring Peter. Bring James and John. Bring, bring Bart, Bartholomew, Matthew. Bring, bring them all. Man, man, we got room. We can do it. We'd love to have you. We invited them. But now an invitation has become a distraction. Now what we saw in one season of our life as welcoming and opening up ourselves to is now something we complain about? Come on, y'all know. Y'all are complaining today about stuff you prayed about yesterday. It might be the business. It might be the friends. It might be the, the, the relationship. It might be the money. I've heard people cry about money one day and complain about having it the next day. They complained on both sides. They complained about not having it, and then they complained about having too much and not knowing what to do with it, or it's all gone, or I don't know how to handle this. It's perspective. It's perspective. And Mary is there drawing on the blessing, receiving the blessing, while Martha has allowed it to become a distraction to her. He actually tells her, you, here in verse, um, verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. The word worry in the Bible, the word worry is the same word as anxious or anxiety. Do not be anxious for anything is what the Bible says. That word anxious is the same word as worry. It's the same word worry found in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about what you will drink. Do not worry about what you will wear. Right? All things that we have to have. 
He's not talking about things that are optional in our lives. Those are necessities. Those things are needed. But he says, do not worry about it. And the word worry and the word anxiety both times in both of those passages means this, to divide or to separate into two parts. The word worry means to divide into two parts. It means that I'm split between all these options. I'm split between. I've allowed what I should be focused on to become a distraction. I've accumulated things that are diverting my attention. And anxiousness is always the result of a lack of focus. Anxiousness is always a result of a lack of focus. Worry. Because we were never designed to have our attention split in all these different directions. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6 was the antidote? Do not worry about this and do not worry about that. He gives it to us in verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what? All those things, the eating and the drinking and the wearing and the driving and the living and the occupying and the doing, all those things will come find you. What's the answer? Seek first the kingdom. I think the church needs to get back to seeking first the kingdom. We have created, especially in America, the Americanized church is seeking after the wrong things. We're seeking after things that Jesus says should be seeking after us. Come on now. You're chasing hard. You're, you are making major headway. You are putting to forth some of the greatest effort in the direction of chasing things that Jesus says should be chasing you. Provision. Provision. I love that word. It's, 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 it's two words. The compound. Pro. Vision. Pro means for. Provision follows what? Vision. It's for the vision. Provision is not for people without vision. You'll waste it. You'll blow it. You'll spend it. You'll lose it. Provision comes to support the vision. So what am I running after? The vision. And then provision runs after me. Hello. And so we have to get these things in place. He says, you are distracted. You are worried. You are split into so many different directions. You, you are upset, he says, about so many things. You are worried and upset about many things things. And so what started out as an invitation has now become a distraction. And now her distraction has led to her distress. It's led to her distress. Anybody stressed out about anything right now? Anybody willing to admit in church? Come on, you don't, you don't, you're, you're in church. Don't lie in church. You're stressed. You'd say, I, that's stress on my life. You, we, we, we love that word. But, but stress or distress is a result of being underweight. Weight that you
you feel is greater than what you can carry. Weight that you feel is beyond you. You're stressed about money. Got Christmas season coming up. And sadly, the statistics show that not for everybody, uh, that, that Christmas is not always the happiest of seasons. In fact, statistics show that Christmas is a time of year. Rather than celebrating good cheer and joy and, uh, you know, what, whatever other Christmas words you want to put alongside that are all in your favorite Christmas songs, that actually there's people that are depressed. Uh, they're anxious. They're concerned. They're worried. They're stressed. And there's a few reasons for that. One is it's the end of the year. And typically in December, we're looking back on January through November and wondering why we didn't accomplish everything we set out to do in January, right? Two is we look inward and we, we say, well, you know, I, I should have this and I should have that and I should be doing this and I should be doing that. It might be family related. It might be, uh, uh, you know, financially related. For whatever reason, it's not the happiest time of year for a lot of people. And so we have these moments of distress, and distress comes because we become distracted. We don't keep our focus on the main thing, what Jesus calls the necessary thing, the needed thing, what's most important, the important thing. And so what we prayed for in one season becomes a means of distress in our lives in the next season. And this is what I want you to know. Your focus is no one else's responsibility. Your focus is no one else's responsibility. When we become distressed, it it hinders our perspective. When we live stressed, when we live under weight and under burden we were not designed to carry, it hinders our perspective. And now she says something so crazy. Lord, don't you care? She might as well have said, Lord, you don't care. Now her perspective is skewed. Now her judgment of others is skewed. Her frustration, usually uh, whatever is frustrating us within is what frustrates us about other people. And now we start exhibiting that from the inside out. Now that starts to become the worldview we live with. That becomes what we scan with. That becomes what we judge with. And now we start highlighting and pinpointing other people's faults and fails or, or where other people are letting us down or what other people aren't or are doing or, or, or the things that are around us that are beyond our control. And the one thing that is in your control is your focus. That's nobody else's responsibility. You can't blame that on anybody else. Well, I wouldn't be so distressed if Mary would get in here and help me. 
I wouldn't be so distressed if you guys didn't show up. No, those things are not within her control. Her focus is within her control. And Jesus says, you've become distracted. You've become worried. You've become upset about many things. You have allowed yourselves to be pulled into separate parts. You, you are not focused on the one thing. And then when our perspective shifts, this is what happens. This is the greatest danger. Is what we once saw as an opportunity, we now see as an obligation. This was an opportunity to host Jesus and his disciples. This was an opportunity to have the master in our house. This was an opportunity to sit down with the Son of God. This was an opportunity to bless Jesus and his followers as they're going from one town to the next. This was an opportunity. This had presented itself as an opportunity, and now she treats it as an obligation. The Lord told, me, told it to me this way. An obligation is when opportunity meets opposition. An obligation is when opportunity meets opposition. For every opportunity the Lord sends your way, for every opportunity that is presented to you, for every opportunity you have, there will be a challenge. There will be opposition. There will be discipline needed. There will be responsibility that must be developed. You cannot face opportunity without opposition. And I see people all the time. I, as a pastor, sometimes I'm thinking, I just helped you pray for that six months ago. And now you're complaining to me about it. And it's simply because you have, you have now been met with the challenge of taking care of the opportunity. The opportunity doesn't grow by itself. The opportunity doesn't develop by itself. The opportunity doesn't just show up and says, hey, I'm going to come in. Don't worry about me. Uh, I'm just going to be over here in the corner growing the business for you. I'm just going to be over here taking care of your kids for you. Don't worry. You don't need to do anything. I got this. Uh, you just you just kick your feet up and watch HSN all day. You, you don't worry about me. I'll be taking them to school, and I'll pick them up, and I'll drop them off, and, and I'll correct them when they misbehave. It doesn't do that. Opportunity shows up and then says, okay, this is what you need to do. Uh, you need to get this together. You need to raise this amount of money. You need to start this program. You need to reach out to these people. You need to let go of this and you need to get rid of that. And then all of a sudden, what we got to do in one season, we have to do in the next. Man, I get to start this business. I get to marry that person. I get to have these kids. Oh, man, i just so thankful for these little kids. So thankful that God saw fit, that I'd be their mom, that I would be their dad, that I'd raise. And then you're, you're cussing them out and screaming at them and, 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 you know, dropping them off at your sister's house and saying, I can't, I can't take it anymore. And you're blasting them on Facebook. And, 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 and that's too real. I'm sorry. That. I meant you pray for them and you sit down and teach them the word and 
Now, little Joey, this is this is what we're supposed to do. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I mean, that's what we do in my house. Okay, Camden. No, I scream at him. I look at him like, Yeah, because it was an opportunity one day. And now the challenges and the pressures, and really, just to be honest, it's just the responsibility. Opportunity always demands responsibility. Opportunity always demands responsibility. You want the opportunity? You develop the responsibility. The opportunity is given, but the responsibility is developed. The opportunity is given, but it's the responsibility and the discipline to maintain the blessing, to maintain the opportunity. And now all of a sudden, our perspective shifts because it's just perspective. It's just perspective. It's the same. It's, it's, It's the same thing. But it was an opportunity here, and it's an obligation here. But it's the same thing. It hasn't changed. Your perspective has. How you see it has. You got that new assignment. You got that new job. You were showing up five, ten minutes early. You you were dressed to the nines. You were, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You know, what else can I do for you? I did everything else. Now we barely get done what we even was being asked. We were going above and beyond. Then we did bare minimum. Now we're not even meeting expectations any longer. Come on. We, we treated it one way in the first two weeks. Now we can't wait to put in our two weeks. <laughs> right? Why? Because the, the challenges, the pressures. I welcomed them. Jesus and his followers. Now it's Jesus and his followers. Oh, 13. 13. I make a whole casserole. And I don't have this and I don't have that. And that's 13 cheesecakes. And they're all dirty and nasty from traveling and getting it everywhere. Just bought this couch. Didn't turn the water off. Right? We start complaining. We start highlighting all the negative things about it. And then we start looking around saying, this person's not even helping me. That person's just sitting there laughing away. Oh, look at them. Oh, it's so funny. Mary's on it. Oh, Jesus. I could listen to you all day. Yeah. We start being judgmental of others. We start seeing how others are talking and acting and why would they do this? Why, if I just had this, I just had that. You start looking from a deficiency mindset rather than a sufficient. Jesus is in your house. And you're thinking about what I don't have. And then you say things like, Lord, don't you care? And that's manipulation. That's, manipul- that's manipulation at its core. 
You begin to manipulate others. You begin to say things twisted. You, you begin to say things that bite, but you, you, you hide it. She's passive aggressive. Tell Jesus, you tell Mary that I'm mad at her. Right? I know, y'all spiritual people, you ain't ever done that. You ain't ever went off on somebody else about somebody else. But when you talk to the somebody else, you were nice as you could be. No, y'all never done that. Am I in the South still? Are we still in Georgia? Are we still here? Right? I grew up in Texas. We do it there too. You don't tell the person how mad you are at them. You tell their best friend. And then the best friend thinks, oh, now we're buddies. Nope. You do the same thing about them to somebody else. Probably to the other person you were just talking about. Man, y'all are tough today. Do we, we need to have an altar call or something? Golly. I love this right here. She says, Lord, don't you care? And Jesus responds with something I think is interesting. She says, Lord, don't you care? Verse 40, that my sister has left me to serve alone, has left me. <laughs> Tell her to give me a hand. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are worried. And I think this is interesting because I think there's a distinguishing that needs to happen between caring and worrying. I looked them up in the, in the dictionary. The word care, the word care means this, the provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something. The provision of what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something. It also means this, serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly. This is the word care. I care about it. If you say, oh, I, I care about that, or I care about that person, or I care about that issue, or I, I care about what they think, then, then there is a level of focus, serious attention or consideration applied. But I also looked up the word worry in the dictionary. And the word worry means this, to give way to anxiety or unease. To give way to anxiety or unease. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. Care, it means to give intentional consideration to something that allows you to take care of the, the health and the overall well-being of someone or something. If you care for it. But worry is more mental. Worry happens in the mind. Worry is a diversion in your thinking that actually 
worrying about something compromises your ability to care for it properly. Caring has to do with my actual physical, what I'm doing. Worrying is the distraction and the diversion in my thinking that affects my actual doing. Now, I believe, again, me being vulnerable up here on a stage holding a microphone in front of all of you, that there are times where I would have said I cared about it, but I was really worried about it. I wasn't doing anything about it. I was just distracted by it, thinking on it, dwelling on it, and allowing my mind to start to think and produce imaginations of what might happen. If I would have just cared for it, I wouldn't have had anything to worry about. There's got to be a distinguishing in our lives between what I care about and what I worry about. And this is a huge issue because I can't get into your brain. I can't get into your mind. But I do know this. The Word of God says to set your mind on things above and not on things on earth, not on things below. Set your mind where Christ is, it goes on to say, seated at the right hand of the Father. What if we had a mind set on the things of God? What if we had a mind set on his way of seeing things rather than my worrying? Rather than, see, God is not telling us to take an apathetic, uh, uh, lackadaisical attitude to what is happening. That's not what I'm saying. If we're not careful, we'll go clear to the other side and say, well, I don't worry about it. I don't care about it. You're right. You don't care about it because you're not doing anything about it. When you care, you correct it. When you care, you change it. When you care, what you care about, you correct. You only correct what you care about. You don't correct other people's kids. You correct your kids, I hope. I've used this example before. When I walk in Target, if I see a piece of trash on the floor, I usually don't pick it up. You don't either. Don't look at me like that. But when I'm in this building, I pick it up. Why? Because I care. Now, I wasn't worried about the piece of trash on the floor. Oh, no, what if somebody sees that trash? What, what, if, what if somebody sees that? They might not think the word just slobs around you. They, they, they might not come back to our church. They, they, might, they, might, they might give a bad report about what's happening at Anchor Faith Church. and we're, we're falling apart. There's trash everywhere. No, I care about it. So I do something. Care has, has, care has action connected to it. Worry does not. You've never, you've never acted on what you were worried about. You just thought about it and dwelled on it and thought about it and dwelled on it. And you created it in this category and you put it in that imagination and you thought out this plan. Some of y'all have worried yourself all the way out to 2032. You, you, you've gone way out there. But then if I ask you, what are you believing for? What do you have faith for? Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, I'll get back with you. You know, faith and worry work on the same tangent. They both believe in what has not yet taken place. 
if you can worry, then you can live by faith. I said, if you can worry and you can create all the negative things that are going to happen and all the wrong imaginations, and you can come to the conclusions, you can jump to the conclusions of all the horrible things that are going to, then you can believe in faith. You can believe that the positive outcome is going to take place. You can believe that things are going to turn around. You can see them actually begin to shift in the spirit realm and then care about it and put action to it and see the thing turn around in your life. When I see people that are great worriers, I see people that are also have a great opportunity to live by faith because they work on the same tangent. They use the same principles. Picturing, imagining, imagining, seeing, even giving voice to what has not yet happened. He says, you are worried. You're anxious. You're distracted. You're diverted. You're unfocused, unattentive. So what's the answer he gives? He says, Mary, she's made the right choice. Verse 32, but one thing is necessary. It started with an invitation. The invitation became a distraction. The distraction became a distress. The distress led to disappointment. But he said, how do I fix this? Your priorities. One thing is necessary. And Mary has made the right choice. What's the right choice? What you need to do right now. What you need to do right now. What you need to do right now. What's the one thing? I know you have options. I know you have opportunities. I know there's all kinds of different ways you could go with this. I I know that you could be doing this and you could be focused on that and you could be over here doing this. But what is the one thing that is necessary? Worship team, if you come. What's the one thing that is needed? What is the one thing? Seek first the kingdom of God. Guys, I'm not talking about a church of a bunch of Marys that just sit and bask and and are lazy and apathetic and and, and are just praying about everything. Prayer is where it starts. But when you get out of the prayer closet, you you better be ready to do something. Put action somewhere. Hear from God and respond and yield to his voice. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit never speaks without instructing. Prime example, Jesus comes up out of the water, being baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And what is the first thing the Holy Spirit does in Jesus' life? Do you all know? Leads him to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 3 to Matthew chapter 4. Holy Spirit comes and then instructs and says, now I need you to go here. And actually sent him right into challenge. Right into opposition. But it wasn't opposition. 
It was opportunity. It was opportunity to get the kingdom back. It was the opportunity to take back what Adam had given up. It was the opportunity to face that same devil, that same serpent, that same cunning, lying, deceptive one and respond how Adam should have responded in the garden. He went back. He says, it is written. It is written. It is written. And the devil immediately came into contact with a spirit-filled man named Jesus that came back with the authority and the power that you and I have. What do these opportunities look like in your life? Do not, do not get it twisted. Do not, don't think that God blessing and opportunities come with just this glorious veil and shining and presenting and saying, oh, this is the blessing of the Lord. They come in the midst of challenges. They, they come in the midst of situations that are uh, opposing. They, they, they come hidden. They come disguised like, like, like uh, authorities coming against you. But he says, in, inside that opposition, inside of that challenge, is the opportunity you need to rise above, to become greater. I believe the church is headed into its greatest days. I believe the church of the living God, not the ones with signs on the buildings, not the ones that profess one thing, but their hearts are far from them. Not the ones that when Jesus sees them, he'll say, who are you? Depart from me, I never knew you. But Lord, Lord, we did this and we did that. We did and we did and we did and we served and we served and we served and we, we accumulated and we accumulated and we accumulated. And he says, you, I never knew you. You never took the time to sit at my feet. You were too busy doing never became. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.